Hello and welcome to Halo's Heaven Radio. I am Jessica DeLine, here with Rick Sadras. That's me. And Jeffrey Tan. Hello and welcome, said Rahul. <laughs> way, way to fill in for Rahul there. We are going to talk to you about Angels Baseball. Normally what we do is recap the last week. Uh, we're not really going to do that, except we are going to talk about some injuries. We're also going to talk about our Halos Heaven uh, awards voting that we went through and give you a little bit of preview of next week. Spoiler alert, it's not good. Yeah, there wasn't really much to talk about this week in terms of teams. We faced uh, a couple tough ones, lost most of the games, and barely scraped out a win on Sunday. And let's take it in our back pocket and look towards next week and see what happens then. But it was not an uneventful week. It certainly was eventful, wasn't it? In terms of things happened, but <laughs> yes. in terms of how expected they were, you could have seen it coming, as Rick likes to say. Yeah, it was uh, it was absolutely phenomenal seeing Pujols' comeback tour. <laughs> <laughs> I like how everybody's saying he's the last man standing. He is Upton's the only guy. Down, yeah, Otani's yeah. down, Trout's down. I mean... And Fabian yeah. said that he had a little bit of a limp after he scored today. Or actually, he didn't score because Calhoun got thrown out at second. But he was limping back to the dugout but stayed in the game. So we'll see if that requires season-ending surgery soon. Well, I mean, I think they have a whole wing in the hospital for surgery, so they could probably fit him in. Was that after his stolen base today? Yeah, that actually was after stolen base. <laughs> that stolen base. Was but then great. he hit a home run, so he's, he's chilling. All right, yeah, so injuries. Uh, we have Shohei Otani who's having some sort of fuse your knee bone surgery back together, right? Isn't that what he's doing? Something like that. Um, apparently he has a birth defect, which is always encouraging to hear. And <laughs> um, would, you say that we, would you say that we should have known when we signed him? Well, should've considering known, we do probably. like a full physical, they already probably did know. Mm-hmm. But as they say, um, patellar bipartite or whatever it's, pronoun- however it's pronounced, um, it's it usually doesn't have any actual problems un, um, for a very long time. Like most people, it's like a lot of people won't even ever get any actual um, uh, painful symptoms. So it's just because he's been so ath- so so uh, active and well, so. I think it's because he's on the Angels. Normally, you don't have a problem with it, but he's on the Angels, so of course he did. <laughs> now, now you mentioned the physical that's something i'm really interested in hearing about how how thorough is the physical like you know you go to the doctor every year and you got a physical but they can't identify like bone structure and stuff they don't really do any of that so i wonder if are mris and x-rays part of the just regular physical when you sign or when you get traded or something like that because i don't know i would like to know if stuff in my body is like if there, i have two bones that should be connected or something like that but i i have to imagine they do actually do that because they also already knew about the tear in his tendon when he came over. Right. Like they right. already knew about that. Right. So I'd have to imagine the physical is, is good enough where if they can detect that a, a ligament is torn or a, tendon, a tendon is torn, they can also detect that the, that the bone is split in half. <laughs> yeah, no point, in, no, no point in doing it just for the elbow, you know. But although that would be angels, just do the elbow and then ignore yeah. the, the rest of the body. Half off, just do the upper half. <laughs> he's only he's only pitching right pitching elbow hitting arms who cares about the legs <laughs> even with the uh foot injury he had coming over here as a position player 
Yeah, one thing that do this does seem to explain, though, is Otani is maybe power surge and the general drop in his numbers in the second half. If, if his condition started hurting more, maybe he was unable right. to play through it as he was earlier in the year. And as we fell out of the race, maybe it wasn't like as motive. I know he's still running hard and stuff, but internally, not unconsciously, it must be harder to give give your all if your team's out of the race. Probably. And you're hurting. And this is an effective transition into Mike Trout, who also has been uh, hurting. hurting for quite a while, apparently, and also um, who's also been poorer in the second half than he was in the first half. And now all of a sudden he's also going to get surgery and be out for the rest of the season after, what, like two weeks of them pretending nothing was wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so, yeah, having that foot issue, I'm sure, impacted him in some way over the last month or two. Especially with contact issues, because if he can't stride forward, that might mess with his timing. And when mm -hmm. he is connecting, he's still hitting the ball really hard because he's that good. But just in general contact. Right. So it might not, again, this is another thing that it might not have been a, have been a conscious decision for him to start selling out for power, quote-unquote, and striking out more. It might have been just an effect of the injury. Yeah, he might have been trying to compensate or something like that, but I mean, yeah, we're both like what we saw. yeah, the injury is affecting him, so he says, you know, this is the way I'm going to go at it. I'm just going to try to hit right. the ball out of the park, and then that. It sounds yeah, like Mike Trout sure. to play through injury too. He's one of those guys that will do it and keep his mouth shut about it, just grind anyway. Yeah, and then you have the guys right now saying that, oh, you know, why is he sitting out right now for the rest of the season? You know, yeah, should, why should is he? Why through. is he getting surgery to heal his foot? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why does his foot just be broken? You know. <laughs> so, uh, he's actually going to be back before Justin Upton, as far as returning to baseball activities. Uh, speaking of another injured player, um, Justin well, Upton. Just, they were saying six weeks before we before we finish Trout. Uh, I'd just like to give Rick the opportunity to share one of his favorite lines about Mike Trout and his home run count right now oh yeah oh well i had a, uh, I had called a few weeks ago that mike trout would probably end at exactly 45 home runs um and what would probably be the case is that at some point after he hit his 45th the team would um pull him and he might even get like a surgery or get injured or, or some something like that um i i was hopeful that he'd hit 50 but the whole 45 thing made me confident they'd wait until after that to do any sort of um, rectification of any problems. So I feel pretty good about myself because I was right. <laughs> <laughs> sure I was were. hoping I wasn't, but I, I, I saw this coming a mile away. Yeah. Including ending up at exactly 45? Yeah, because he hit 45 and then all of a sudden he is magically injured. And nobody saw really anything. No, I mean, no it's kind did. of it's kind we of suspect. Found it in the the regular monthly physical, Rick. Suspect to the point of you think it was he's not really having surgery; it's all staged. No, I think he's that. <laughs> I think he's definitely having surgery. I think they had him play through his injury until he had forty five because he was so close. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think they were like telling him like, "Hey, you have to play through the injury." I think they were like, "Like, hey, if you can do it." That'd be really, that'd be really cool. It would be a nice statement. Um, yeah. 
Or he so, did it on a, on his own and said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. play he through could, the pain." And he could have gone to 45 and then been like, and then said, "You know what? I I can't I can't do it anymore." And this is yeah. a great mm-hmm. way to end it on. So or someone suggested it after he hit 45 and then like so he maybe said it came in and just made an offhand comment and said, "Oh man, my foot really hurts today." And then someone said, "Oh yeah, 45 home runs that'd be cool" or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just seemed like it was uh, too coincidental to be an accident completely. <laughs> okay. does, it, does this count as a conspiracy theory from Rick? Kinda. Weekly conspiracy theories? I mean, it's not quite as a, much of a hot take, in my opinion, as the 5-3 and three curse. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're but spending proportional do... time in, in, in order. Like, for Antleton Simmons, you wrote a whole article. For 5-3, and three, we did half the podcast. Yeah. For Mike Trout, I... we're doing, like, three minutes exactly i do understand how someone else could be like hey it was a coincidence because i mean sometimes sometimes there's just happy um things like that like for example all the stuff that happened on our no hitter but (laughs) however uh i don't think that this was not at least somewhat unplanned fair enough all All right. right yeah I interrupted Jessica when no, that's fine. she wanted uh, to move finish. on to Justin Upton, who is the greatest I, player that ever played for the Angels. Uh, well, let's not get carried away. But So <laughs> so Justin Upton has patellar tendonitis in his knee, and he's not going to be able to return to baseball activities for six weeks, from what I was reading, after some PRP injections. Which, I mean, I didn't even see how he got injured. How did he get injured? Well, here, here's the thing. I was doing some reading up on this, and they were implying, uh, it said, Osma said those knee injuries crept up all the way into January, or crept all the way into January. So it sounds Wait, like it's what? something that was bugging him all year. Oh, so you're saying that we had a player who wasn't ready to come back, come back. Yes. Which is exactly what we all thought when we saw him, that so he wasn't perhaps... ready to be back. Perhaps the knee issues and coming back from the turf toe or why he had a fairly terrible season. Yeah, he had I said, his moments. But... Yeah, yeah, I said it for Otani, so I have to say it for Upton. Uh, you know, if he wasn't 100% healthy, then maybe that explains some of the numbers. And, you know, it puts into doubt if anyone's ever struggling, then do we, do we suddenly start to wonder, is this a slump or is this injury? You know, Brian Goodwin, when he had his mini-season slump, was that an injury because he was good before? Now I don't even know. Well, I can't even yeah. bash players because they I, might actually be injured. So I'm I don't just gonna know be about positive, it. super positive from now on. You should be. I don't know about Goodwin, <laughs> but um, with Upton, a few of us, including myself, did say like I don't really know if I want him back because our supplements, our uh, our replacements, had been adequate enough to make Upton almost um, superfluous. <laughs> well, the thing with Trout and Otani is you could tell their approaches had literally changed. Otani started hitting the ball away, and he wasn't getting it in the air at all. Like he was slapping it really he was hard. Only but it hitting away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Trout, as we've talked about, has been selling off for power. But Upton seemed exactly the same, except worse. He was striking out <laughs> a yeah, lot. He, did. he was hitting for power when he did get hit. Yeah. He was still trying to go the other way to right center field. So it I was mean, part of it. Part like, he still had his just, identity. Yeah, but part of it, it could just also be that he wasn't, like, back into it yet. He just needed some more time to see some more pitches because, I mean, he always has a problem with those sliders down and away. But he looked like he was having a worse time with it than last year. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? 
Yep. Like, it seemed like every time they threw a slider, he was going to swing and miss. Every single time. Yeah, so my my concern is the PRP injections don't necessarily just make the issue go away. So hopefully he's not struggling with any issues again next year. Well, I'm not sure whether or not it's going to help anything. I, I mean, he's only getting older, and I mean, he's just... It's just hard to watch him at this point. I mean, we all want Upton to be successful, and we all expected mm-hmm. a lot more from him. But Except I'm Upton just... haters. I mean, I'm an Upton <laughs> hater, but I'm also an Upton, yeah, yeah. like, hopeful. <laughs> like, I want him to be successful. He just hasn't been. Like, I mean, this whole thing about players coming back when they're still injured makes you start to wonder about Zach Kozart. Should he even have been playing this year? You know, if no. we had been in the hunt, that his performance at the beginning of the year might have cost us. Now, obviously, it doesn't matter. Um, Tommy LaStella. Tommy LaStella is probably not coming back, honestly, because there's no point in him coming back. And if he hasn't been back, he's not going to be fully ready by the end of the season. Um, who else, honestly? Probably even pitchers. Who knows? I mean, they haven't even announced the inevitable Tommy Listella had a setback in his recovery yet, so that's still coming, right? It doesn't even have to be a setback. It just has to be <laughs> normal progression when maybe he could be back if this he, were a playoff hunt and he'd just have to grit through the pain. He but had right to now, have had a setback or something. He was projected to come back like in late August, early September. It's yeah. already been like two weeks since then. There's always a setback. I'm sure there was one. Yeah, they just probably didn't announce it. They were like, you know, we already had enough problems. Let's just keep this on the down low. <laughs> Everyone forgot about him anyway. Or right. even like they're like who's who's Tommy Listella? That, that's a guy. <laughs> you know what would be right. to- you know what would be totally angels. What is if they played the Brewers in the World Series and Yelich came back magically and hit a home run and then Listella was still had, had had setbacks even though they both fouled pitches off their knee and had almost the identically identical injury. That would be interesting in the fact that uh, Tommy Listella is the reason we swept the Brewers early in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So still holding them back anyway all right that being said let's move on to the next uh segment do you want to cover this one jeffrey yeah so a few weeks ago we did our first annual halos heaven awards in which we asked all the writers um to vote did you the same felt the same ballot that the baseball writers of america do when they're voting for the major awards including mvp cy young rookie of the year and manager of the year and then we tallied the votes. So we published an article uh, a couple weeks ago, and we've just published the article for September 15th-ish, mid-September, and we're going to do one at the end of the year. So after we published it, the first one, we thought, you know, it'd be nice if we got an opportunity to explain why we voted the way we did. So we decided to throw that in the podcast for the second, the second edition, and we'll also do it for the end of the year one. So I think Jessica wanted to start off with manager of the year, work our way backwards. Exactly. Let's do that. So NL manager of the year. Um, so Rahul didn't vote for either rookie of the year or manager of the year because I think he had to, I don't know what he's up, what he's, what he's doing, but both Jessica and I put Brian Snitker in first manager of the Braves. Brian. So he won mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're really impressive right now. They're leading the AL East. They have a good group of guys, and I know they've had their bullpen issues, but it seems like they're still winning games, and they're probably going to win the division. 
I think so. I think that's pretty clear that they've got the division wrapped up, I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I uh, I actually was the detractor there. I said Mike Schilt was number one and Brian Snicker was number two. Um, but honestly, to me, they were kind of a tie. I mean, the thing with Brian Snicker, I think he absolutely deserves it. But Mike Schilt, on, on the other hand, I mean, he's done so much this season with the little he was given. I've been I've been really impressed since the second half, and I kind of have more of an um, I, I kind of have more of an eye on the Cardinals than other people a lot of times because my coworker is a humongous Cardinals fan, mm-hmm. and so we're always discussing the Angels and the Cardinals together. So you know about the individual moves he's made and stuff like that. If he's exactly, up games. so I, I I often know what he's doing wrong, what he's doing well, and everything. And so just like seeing what they've done in July and August, it's been absolutely incredible because we were ahead of them in July come the all-star break. We were like tied with them or just above them. Mm-hmm. And, since and then we then, played them. It, well, exactly. Since, since then, well, actually even after that, since we were ahead of them, we've gone completely opposite directions and seeing what Mike Schilt's done in the second half has been absolutely incredible. Um, Brian Snicker's been doing it all season, but I mean, just the turnaround has been super impressive. And I think that Snicker had a bit more of a um, head start than Schilt did. Yeah, that's fair. You can point to some of the shrewd moves the Braves made, like signing Josh Donaldson, who's Mm -hmm. responded by playing at a near MVP level. But I just think that the fact that the Braves had the division wrapped up against tough teams like Phillies, Nationals, and even the Mets are doing well somehow, and the Cardinals don't at the moment, uh, that kind of pushed Nick Kerr ahead. Um, Obviously, that could change for the next one, but that's why I have him number one right now. Yep. And then as far as number three, I mean, last time we did this, um, I was the one who had chosen Dave Martinez first, and <laughs> Jeffrey laughed at me. I didn't laugh at you, like, I just said... Yes, I... you did. You straight up laughed. <laughs> well, I was wondering, because the Nationals were not in a playoff spot at that time, but, but yeah, they were but, close. Yeah, they were doing really, really well, though, at the time. Um, I was really impressed with Dave Martinez. I did not put him at number three, because in the past few weeks, Tori Lavolo really impressed me with the way he handled the Diamondbacks because I wasn't even expecting him to be anywhere remotely close to a playoff spot. Especially since they sold Zach Greinke at the trade deadline and exactly. basically admitted we're out of it. Exactly. And so I I still have Dave Martinez close, mm-hmm. but because of the current state of the teams and the way the Diamondbacks have been one of the hottest teams in baseball up until a few days ago, I think they lost a few games now, but... They, uh, I think he deserves it for the late comeback they're making. I think what put why I put Dave Martinez third over the other managers in the NL was the fact that I I didn't believe in the Nationals kind of a couple weeks ago. I mean that was almost three <laughs> weeks ago, right? But then they've had their bullpen woes. They shut Sean Doolittle down because of overuse at the beginning of the year. And they're still finding ways to win games. And Dave Martinez needs to find that fine line between, you know, keeping the starter in, the Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin. I know it's not a tough decision, but in the era when managers are now pulling starters early, knowing when to pull the starter is kind of crucial, in my opinion. And the fact that they're sitting in the the first wildcard spot right now was a deciding factor for me. What I think is really interesting is the fact that Dave Martinez, especially in the first half of the year, has not been, well, and also last year, he has not been a popular manager, like with his, like with the fans of the Nationals. From what I've seen, 
they are vehemently anti Dave Martinez. I think which is Manny, why it was yeah. weird for me to put him in third because he has a stigma attached to him. But I think I mean, he, yeah, that was probably what I pointed to. I didn't really realize what he was doing or whatnot. Exactly, and so I think that I think he definitely deserves it. But I think that the lack of popularity is there for a reason because I don't keep as much of an eye on the Nationals as other teams as as the fans in Washington do. Yeah. So I just I've been really impressed with, with what I saw from the Diamondbacks lately. So I kind of edged him right there. But by the end of the season, Dave Martinez could pull it back out again. Yeah, and as we always like to say, sorry, uh, it, pretty much manager popularity is highly correlated with effectiveness of your bullpen. And if you have a good bullpen, <laughs> it's likely that your manager will be. Yeah, and their bullpen uh, has yeah. not been effective for which a is long kind time. Of, which is kind of why I chose Dave Martinez over, say, Roberts from the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Roberts mm-hmm. has had a largely... I know they've had their woes, but comparatively, he's had an effective bullpen, and he... It's pretty easy for him to go in progressions from the starter to the bridge guys to Jansen, who's having his own issues. But to, to be honest, right. you can't. I mean, Dave Roberts getting Manager of the Year would be a crime. I mean, he has the easiest job in the world with a team that he has available to him. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Although I will say that he does a good job managing because they don't have a set lineup. They have a lot of plat- platoons, and they have guys coming up and down producing. So, yeah, personality wise, it seems like he does a good job handling them because they're still winning, obviously. But talent-wise, it's no comparison, like you said. It's exactly. not, yeah. And I, I do want to point out that I did have Dave Martinez in last round that we did this. I don't mm-hmm. think my my three managers didn't change. Uh, basically, people had written off the Nationals halfway through the season. They said exactly. they needed to sell. And here they are in the thick of things. But uh, I just also want to point out, I was looking at, you know, the Nationals have the first wild card in the NL. They only yeah. have 82 wins. Do the yeah. Angels have 82 wins? No, they have but 82 then losses. No, we're not a player team. But if you the wild the two wild the first wild card team in the AL has 91 wins. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Well, I think I mean it's, it's it's like that every single year though. The National uh, not the National the National League is in general is just more balanced. The American yeah. League has been right. top heavy for years. Yep. And because you can't win in the American League, that makes it easier to tear down. So that's why four teams in the AL Central are always tanking, except for this year when the Twins actually decided to go for it. Which is why it's also embarrassing that the Angels can't do that. The Angels are the one team that plays like an NL team in the AL. I like, the, I like that comparison a lot, huh. actually. Yeah, that's really interesting. That being said, let's go to AL Manager of the Year. All right, we had some... It's not Brad Osmus. I had him third. No, just kidding. <laughs> we uh, there was a little bit of scent for this one. I don't think this both this time and last time we didn't have a consensus number one pick. Uh, Jessica on or whoever wants to go first. Well, I kind of wanted to go first um, and explain why I from last year. I, I from not last year from the last time we did this. I had Aaron Boone number one, Kevin Cash number two, and Rocco Baldelli number three. But I dropped Aaron Boone down from number one to number three this time. I moved the other two up. And the reason for that is because I was really impressed in the first half of the season how Aaron Boone handled the pitching staff when they were completely decimated by injuries. Every single one of their starters was completely was off the sh- was on the shelf and they were still winning games. Meanwhile, the Angels they go through the same thing and do they continue winning games? Uh no, they're they're a normal team. They're a human team. And 
<laughs> they uh, definitely kept losing after our pitchers went on the uh, injured list. And so I was very impressed with Aaron Boone. But fast forward to a couple weeks ago, and then a lot of the pitchers started becoming healthy. So, so obviously it, they take them, they take them, <laughs> they take them off the injured list. And then suddenly, around the same time we started losing, they started losing big time. And I mean like bad. And it kind of... Are you talking about turned... the beginning of September, though, or what? This is like in August or so. Mm, okay. But it, it went on long enough to where, at the time, because I think we did this last time in the middle of it, I was kind of like, I was kind of getting less high on him. But by the end of it, it just went on so long that I was like, you know, he he kind of, even though the team was obviously going to win the the division... It's it's kind of watered down just because, you know, with the good players, he wasn't performing the same as he was with the bad ones. So, well, I mean, on the flip side, you can argue that they pretty much had the division wrapped up 99 plus percent chance of winning it. And I don't know. I, I see your point. Uh, but Boone is still good enough to be in the number two spot for me. Actually, none of us put him at number one and Jessica even left him off. I sure did. I just I just really like the, the job that Boone did this year with the injuries, and I think that that makes him the number two manager in my book, regardless of everything else that happened afterwards that Rick's talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I went with, uh, we, we actually all had a different number one manager, right? And my choice was Rocco Baldelli. Mm-hmm. So the Twins were not expected to win the division. They had a yep. terrible losing season last year. And they currently have a 6-10 winning percentage, which is the best winning percentage they've had since 1965. Yep. A lot that of it is due to their ridiculous. their strong start. And then since, like, June-ish, the Twins have kind of... I mean, the Indians have been chasing them. They're probably still going to win the division, the Twins. But it's kind of they started off strong. and They're getting caught, basically. Yeah, I I definitely uh, yeah. had I had Baldelli high too. I had him at number two, but the thing with Rocco is that um, I was predicting that the Twins would fall off hard and the Indians would win the division. Um, the Twins did not fall off like I predicted. Um, they definitely weren't quite as right. like incredible as they were in the first half, but they didn't fall off like I thought they would. I thought they were going to become like a mediocre team. I thought maybe it was just a fluke of a half season, and. They showed that it wasn't, and that's part of the reason, like I said, why I had Boone below Baldelli was just the fact that Baldelli has managed it for the whole year. It hasn't just been half. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and for for my number one manager, I went with Bob Melvin of the A's, who we don't even know who their starters are. Nobody knows who their role players are. Like They have Robbie Grossman hitting second for a lot of the year. They have defensive studs in Marcus Simeon and Matt Chapman, but other than that, it seems to be a, the rookies, the guys who come out of nowhere, like the Dodgers, and they're still winning. They're still fighting for a wild card spot right now. And, you know, he's won manager of the year multiple times before, and he's shown this year to me why he should be manager of the year again. But the others don't agree, and Rick even left him off his ballot for cash, Baldelli and Boone. But... <laughs> By the way, I do want to say that there's a reason why I left Bob Melvin off because I considered him as well. 
But the reason why I leave Melvin off is because, in my personal opinion, it's not Bob Melvin. It's Billy Bean, and it always has been. I think Bob Melvin, from what I've seen, especially when we were watching games and everything, mm-hmm. I have not been impressed with A's decision-making. I've been impressed with the general management's decision-making, but that doesn't necessarily mean Bob Melvin's doing a fantastic job. I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's the reason where they are. I think the reason they are where they are is because of their president of baseball operations or whatever Billy Bean's title is. I think well, that he's the reason. Okay, that's fair, but it's just in terms of managing expectations and stuff, obviously a lot of credit goes to the general manager and uh, baseball operations of that, but you, you still have to put it together on the fields. I think the expectations have been too low on the A's all season and last season as well. I mean, I predicted last season going into it that the A's were going to be legitimately threatening. And everyone was like, haha, very funny. But then the players all break out at the exact same time. And they go on a run. And then everyone goes going into this season was like, yeah, the A's will be, they'll be okay, I guess. But, I mean, they're not going to be as good as last season, of course. And they're going to be worse than the Angels. That's what people were predicting. And I was like, you're, I think you're... <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being a little too optimistic here, just a tad. So I think that it's really just the, just the fact that people are constantly underestimating the A's, just as they overestimate the Angels. Yeah, I don't know. I you have to get the wins, and you prefer them to Hinch, though, right? At least. Oh yeah, I don't like Hinch at all. Oh really? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. I guess Hinch's decision making is okay, but I don't like his personality. Every time I hear him talk, <laughs> he like he like he sounds punchable. To be honest. <laughs> okay, maybe the players like that from him. <laughs> I'll fight for you. I'll be punchable to an Angels fan who knows nothing. Yada yada. Same thing with the uh, wow. with the Rangers too. The Rangers manager. Ban- Wait, not Bannister, right? Uh, uh, was it well? Is it still Bannister? It was. No, no, it's because Bannister guy. was punchable too. It's a new guy. <laughs> I can't even. That's oh, you're right. You're right. It's it's Woody or whatever his name is. Woodward, Wood- Chris Woodward. Yeah, Woodward, he, yeah, he looks. He, I haven't heard him talk, but he looks. He looks pretty interesting. Let's, let's say it that way. He yeah, looks well, like a, a dude. I was I wasn't thinking of Woodward. I was thinking of Bannister. Bannister was way worse than Hinch in my opinion, but. Hmm. But I think that once again, Hinch is also kind of toxic too. The way he talked after the uh, the Lucroy incident. Oh yeah, I, that, was, that's sticking up for your guys. So really, he maybe right. a really. It was intolerable too. the way he said it, though. I was like, that's that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't like the Texas managers to be honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, we the rest of, we filled out our ballots with those guys just in different orders. I had Boone and Baldelli, second and third. Um, yeah, and then the only Rick. other guy that we had that um, Jeffrey didn't was Kevin Cash. Yeah, so basically we had four managers, and then each of us left a different manager off. Yeah, in fact, that's... nobody agreed on the position of any of the pl- uh, any, uh, any of the managers. Yeah, it's a really interesting theory if you look at <laughs> it, uh, and how Raul's vote might affect all this if he decides to. Now, I did have Kevin Cash at number one on this. Yeah. I will say, though, I think that Kevin Cash and Rocco Baldelli are very, very close. Yeah, it's because, a shame you can't tie. Yeah, I <laughs> I have a hard time. I had a hard time choosing between the two of them. But with Kevin Cash, the reason I put him above Boone, first of all, was because, I mean, first of all, they were in a very similar position. But Boone's collapse in the second half 
was way worse than Cash's was in the middle of the season, like June or so, when the Rays were losing to us and other teams too. <laughs> and I thought we had a legitimate chance of catching them. They were still a play. They were still a playoff team. They were still a wild card team. They didn't fall like by seven, eight games. They fell by like three or four. And I was like, oh, maybe we can, maybe we can have a shot. Well, if they missed the playoffs, would your opinion change? If if they miss the playoffs, you'd be off of here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. First I, of all, you, you have to be a you have to be a playoff manager in order to be on here, in my opinion. But <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. If the A's miss the playoffs, I don't know if Melvin would slide off completely, but he definitely wouldn't be first or second. We'll you know see. what? To, yeah. Okay. You know what? I I retract what I just said because last year Kevin Cash was a manager of the year candidate despite the Rays not making it. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I do retract what I said. Not number one was, or number two though. Yeah, but the Rays, the Rays are always, always overachieving beyond what I feel the general management does. I feel that the general management so just gets of guys. Off, opposite of Oakland. Exactly. I feel that the ownership just gets the cheapest guys they can, and the management and the um, analytics team is the one that changes it around. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it has anything to do with who they're getting. I think it has to do with how they're using them. And so that's why I give Kevin Cash the credit I did. And because, that's once fair. again, they're an, they're an awesome team. I mean, we're, we, we are playing against them right now, and um, even though we won today, I just I like what I see from all their guys every time. And, I mean, for okay. example, Travis Darno being a legitimate slugger, yeah. what's that about? Like, <laughs> that's way more surprising than Tommy LaStella, in my hey, opinion. Hey, we're going to move on to Rookie of the Year because we have a lot of awards to still cover. But Yeah. All right, sorry to cut you off, <laughs> but we're going to go to NL Rookie of the Year, and I'm going to be a little upset with everybody here on their voting. It's pretty clear, I think. It is not. Of, it yeah, is not clear. And I'm so gonna extremely give you perfe- clear. I'm going to give you a perfect example of why it's not clear. I know why I'm getting roasted here. Are but- we going to go by playing time, total home runs? Are those really factors for rookie of the year you know playing time so, has what to about be a what about war hold on hold on <laughs> if playing time has to be a factor you could make the argument last year about shohei otani not being mvp no you can't so let me go into no, some stats no. <laughs> because none of you picked fernando tatis jr For, first of all number first, one wait he's wait, not wait, on the wait, ballot wait wait before you get into this you just said you had a legitimate case last year for Otani not being MVP, and I agree with that. But Rookie of the Year, he definitely deserved. <laughs> for Rookie of the Year. If you're going to talk about playing time. Okay. So t- Tatis has had some injuries, but he is by far a superior player. Okay, first P- of all, Pete Alonso. all of these and players. Jeffrey, you didn't even put him on your ballot. I would, take, so I would take Alonso and maybe even Sororco. How do you pronounce his name? Sororca? Soroka. Soroka. I would take Alonzo yeah. and Soroka right now over Otani last year, I think. For rookie wow. of the year. I would definitely take Alonzo. Yeah. Okay, Alonzo, even... seriously, you guys. You guys are really. <laughs> okay, Alonzo is literally... going to win. He's an MVP. Yeah, well, okay, but right sorry, now, even I would the stats definitely... up to today. Okay, if I'm being honest, I would actually choose the. I would choose Alonzo, Tatis, Alvarez, and Reynolds over Otani last year. All three of them. All four of them. Alvarez definitely, yeah. 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 Alvarez but we'll get sure. there. I would I would pick Tatis over Otani last year. I would too. Okay, so Tatis is batting three seventeen with a three seventy nine on base. Check his at bats. Five ninety slugging, nine sixty nine OPS. 
all higher than Alonzo. Okay, I do want to tell you that I agree that in the games that Tatis has played, he has been superior to Alonzo. And let's but talk about you... defense, too. I, that, I that's why it was a hard decision I, I last time, but then Tatis I, hasn't played since then, and Alonzo's exactly. still hitting bombs. When but you've only who's played, the best new player? When you've only played half the season... That doesn't matter. It does. It matter. does. Eighty-four games is not is more than okay. half the season. Well so over. let me let me ask you this. Wait, thing. what? Eighty-four? Okay. What? Oh, not well over. It's a little <laughs> over half the season. <laughs> I want to get that on record. No, okay. it's on record, but a little over half so, the season. Let me ask you this then, okay? If the playing time doesn't matter, then why is Aquino not on your top three? Ooh, ooh, spicy. <laughs> Honestly, because Aquino has earned it as well. Uh, in that case. So? For talented, he crushes the ball. He's really talented, right? That's uh, all you crushing want. Crushing the ball isn't the only talent that you need to be good. That's all okay. that Alonzo has, and he's good at getting hit by pitch. He's been hit by pitch twenty times. <laughs> His defense is terrible, and he so hits home I runs. Think <laughs> I think the bias is showing itself again. He has one stolen base. Wait, wait, Jessica. Tatis, how, how, Tatis how, is a true. I'm telling you, next year Tatis will have the better year than Alonzo because he's the better player. How many I believe Padres you, games have you been to this year? How many? I uh, maybe a dozen. Twenty. Hmm, suspicious. Okay, so I agree with you. I think Tatis is the better player, but when. Yeah. Reviewing their overall accomplishments for the season, Alonzo is superior. Just because he played more time. Exactly. Yeah, and that's yes. and the only thing he's superior in if, is total home runs. Okay, listen. Listen to this, all right? <laughs> Schimpf, Ryan Schimpf. <laughs> oh, my the legend. Oh, God. You yeah, last year, Ryan Schimpf <laughs> had the best WRC plus on our team, but you would not say he was the best <laughs> player, okay? You can't just pick one stat. No, well, he had the, he had the most home runs per at-bat or something exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. It was, it was incredible what he did. <laughs> <laughs> most home runs per at-bat and, like, 30 at-bats. That's not a big enough sample. Size. It was probably less than that, actually. It was probably, like, yeah. like 15. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't. I don't know, Jeffrey. I'm disappointed you didn't even have him on your list. There's too many talented well, I, rookies. Okay, so that playing time has to be. A, think, at least Rick realized he's a number two. I think Jeffrey <laughs> was a little rash to take him off completely, but I do say that Tatis Jr., as far as overall accomplishments on the season, is behind Peter Alonso, who set the NL rookie record for home runs. I tried. I tried not to be biased by the fact that I was projecting for the end of the year, and I may have been a little, but. If I may say so, at the end of the year, he definitely won't be there still for me. But I do think, in Jessica's defense, it is close enough to warrant the decision. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I, I just think yeah, I don't I agree. think it's fair, and I think your argument <laughs> is fair, Jessica, but I also think you're wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, because you didn't put him one. I have him number two. I had Pete Alonso at number two. Uh, I had Soroka at two and Brian Reynolds at three, hitting really well for the Pirate. I mean, Pirates pitching really well for the Braves. To be fair, if Alonzo had maybe like a hundred fewer plate appearances, it would be a decision. It would be a very hard decision. Like it, what, like it was, yeah. you know, two weeks ago. But even like the last I mean, one. Well, well, the thing back. Did you then even was, have him on there last time, Jeff? He was literally second last time. 
Well, here, and then he fell the off because he hasn't yeah. been playing. Well, here's here's the problem for Alonso is that he has struggled since our last one, and that's the reason why his numbers have dropped down. He hasn't been he wasn't as hot as he was at the time of when we did yeah, the last well, awards. Yeah, but he so wasn't. Probably figured him out. Wasn't until next year. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, <laughs> you you're not salty at all. Because if I recall, I believe Alonso was um, above 600 in slugging and like 375 or something like that in on base percentage. Because he so. gets hit by pitch a lot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Right, we should to move on to AL Rookie, AL rookie of the year. year. It was pretty unanimous. Jordan Alvarez, number one. He's slugging really well for the Houston Astros. He's their DH, and he's probably going to be a big part of their playoff run. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be unanimous across baseball. But some of the other picks are really interesting because we had all sorts of all sorts of different players. Jessica and I had Bo Bichette at number yes. two. I think after oh, he's been Bo knows. Yeah, I think after he's been called up, he's been playing really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the fact is that the AL Rookie of the Year award after Alvarez is wide open compared to the it NL really Rookie is. of the Year award, which is why. Someone like Bichette, who's talented but hasn't doesn't have the playing time, can sneak in there as opposed to in the NL. <clears throat> Wait, hold on, Jeffrey. I, I don't. I Wait, don't hold know. on, Jeffrey. How many at bats did Bo Bichette have? I think he he has like three hundred. So less than Tatis. Yes. Bichette made your list, but not Tatis. Exactly. Well, there's no American yes. League player with more than like four hundred and sixty right, plate appearances. Okay. <laughs> Well, like, like, like it's Jimenez, not the fact, okay, Jimenez, it's, but it's not sucked. the fact that Alonzo played so much more. It's the fact that Alonzo literally played the entire season. He contributed to his team the entire season. <laughs> we we weren't talking about MVP. We were talking about rookie of the year. Oh wow, Bichette only has one ninety three. <laughs> I know, and that's the reason yeah. why I couldn't justify putting him above a. No, that, that's fair. That's fair. So I didn't have Bichette on my list because his plate appearance count was literally one of the lowest of all the qualified rookies in the American League. Well, he's not qualified, because, well, when I when I go to Fangraphs and put qualified, it, it puts him on there. So, hmm. <laughs> probably because he's just a rookie. But, well, and he, had one, honest, he has 1.9 war, uh, B-war in that, those 180 at-bats, which is pretty impressive. His, his perform. I know, I, I agree completely. His performance was close to Arias's in my opinion. But I couldn't justify putting him above him because he's only had the number of plate appearances of like a month and a half. Like that that could mean nothing. 193 plate appearances is nothing. So I I really couldn't put him on the list. He just didn't have enough. Um whereas in my opinion Brandon Lau was number 2. And I kind of was surprised that Brandon Lau dropped for everybody else um, completely off the list. I think the injury definitely. Yeah, but he still had 307 plate appearances to do this while also carrying the, what, third best American League slugging percentage for rookies? I think for me, because they, there wasn't the player who had played the entire season, that it I had more leeway to put a more talented player or more projectable player than like Brandon Lau or Arias, but Lau had twice the number of plate appearances almost. No, no, Bichette has almost two hundred, and Lau, yeah. you said Lau has three hundred, so okay, it's not fifty percent more. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's but fair. But still, I, 
I don't understand how Lau could completely drop off when he had almost the same number of plate appearances as Jordan Alvarez. I reevaluated John Means, and that's why I put him third. I John just wasn't Means that is, impressed. John I Means mean, is forgiv- forgivable. Brandon Lau has a 862 <laughs> OPS and a 339 on base. It's not that impressive to me. I mean, it's it's good, but yeah. Yeah, but as opposed to P. Alonzo, who has like a 960 OPS across the whole season. Anyway, well, he's he's clearly better than Brandon Lau. <laughs> yes. Well, like I said, I I have Brandon Lau there because of reasons. No, <laughs> because of reasons. No, uh, it's it's the offense, but also I mean his base running has been very good. Like he hardly ever grounds in double plays. He's He's been a solid player all around, so there's there's reasons to put Brandon Lau above okay. Bo Bichette, but I think that if you're going to put Fernando Tatis above Peter Alonso, I think it's fair for you to put Bichette above Lau. But I think Jeffrey is backward by doing Bichette above Lau. No, because my my, but... my curve goes <laughs> my curve goes the fact that Alonso played the whole season means a lot, whereas the difference between Lau and Bichette is smaller, and they both didn't play the whole season, so I had leeway to go with a talented player. Jeffrey just doesn't like Tatis. Yeah, maybe he just hates Tatis. Mm-hmm, probably. Uh, I, I like John Means, though, but I didn't put him on the list. Any other Rookie of the Year ones we want to cover before? You My put number Vlad three Guerrero. was Luis Arias. I, you know what? I put Vlad fair, Guerrero. Yeah. I think, like you said, Jeffrey, there, it was pretty wide open after after uh, we all picked Jordan Alvarez, number one. Yeah, and yeah. it's not like I it's going to affect the result. A, yeah. yeah, I wanted to give Vlad a vote. Yeah. He's had a pretty solid season. Is there somebody better than him? Maybe. Um, but Luis Arias. Yeah, the thing is deserves. that none, none of the down ballot votes are going to affect the overall outcome, so it doesn't really matter. No. Yeah. Right. No, I put Luis Arias easily because what he's done in the time he's played has been on par with, um, you know, the best pure average hitters in the game. And it's been for half a season's worth of games. It's been really impressive what I've seen from Luis Arias, and I know that there's a lot of stigma about batting average, but when you're batting 350, you're doing well, no matter how hard you hit it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think he's impressive. Mm-hmm. I just like the other guys better. Yeah, and I, I just I have Luis Arias as third. Even though, in my opinion, his offense has been superior to Lau's, um, his defense has been considerably worse than Lau's, and his base running has not been as good either. So that's why I have him third, but it's like a close third. And then I have Bichette as a close fourth, but... Okay. Mm. All right. Well, before we get to Cy Young and MVP, we're going to take a quick break for this commercial message. Commercial! Okay, welcome back. We are going to cover the NL Cy Young Awards next... And who wants to take it away? Here is where Rahul jumps in with his ballot. It closely sure mirrors did. the the F war standing, so I wonder if he just used those, but we'll probably ask him <laughs> ask him about that later. Three of us Wait. had what? Yeah, all three of us had Max, Max Scherzer, Scherzer as number one and Rick, Rick did not. So do you wanna do you wanna go first, Rick? Sure, I'll go first. So I initially when I was doing this, I was kinda just doing a quick chart and i had max scherzer as number one ahead of hunjin ryu um even though i had ryu as number one in the last one uh but then after reassessing the leaderboards and actually looking at the numbers um, i completely changed my stance on where Degrom should be because 
let me get back to it really fast. But from what I saw, uh, Max Scherzer has not been better than Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. In, uh, let me, I, I was on the rookie, that's why. Let me go back to it really fast. For me, it's a case of that the Grom is probably going to win, but as of right now, I'd still take Scherzer's season over to Grom's. So here's the thing. Okay, I I justified last time putting Ryu above Scherzer. Mm -hmm. Okay, there was a reason for that, and the reason was that Ryu had a superior ERA Mm -hmm. while, like, like vastly superior ERA, while also he... um, Great strikeout to walk ratio, all that good stuff. Exactly. I mean, there there were a lot of good things about Ryu. I justified them. Now, Jacob Degrom, since we talked about this last, Jacob Degrom has done everything that both Ryu does well and Scherzer did does well at the same exact time. To the point where his ERA is now below Scherzer's. His FIP is not far behind. His strikeouts per nine, his walk per nine, his home run per nine are all right there, really close to Scherzer's. But he also has. 30 more innings a pitch. Yeah, Five that, more starts. That's why, that's why I said that for right now the rate stats are like neck and neck, but I'd still mm-hmm. take Scherzer's season before, but I could definitely – I'm 75% sure that DeGrom will get there by the end of the year and for the next one I'm changing, but we'll see. Yeah. It's those it's those extra five starts that seal the deal for me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like if Jacob DeGrom was on a better team, I'm confident he'd be even – better even higher above scherzer just because jacob Degrom has to suffer through the mets defense and <laughs> he's doing the exact same stuff that scherzer's doing i have to give him number one because scherzer was underperforming to start the season and he had missed several starts Degrom has been perform he was underperforming in the beginning of the season too yeah, DeGrom but he has was. come back so hard that his second half looks vastly superior to everybody else's yeah that's an interesting point um Scherzer still wins because three of us had him, but as we said, we can see him changing. Uh, number three, most of us had Steven Strasburg, who has also had us. A, a lot of these guys have had second half surges. I liked him there over Ryu because Ryu has really fallen off in his last like four, three, four starts, and maybe the yeah. the luck has been catching up to him in terms of defense and stuff. Uh, well, I, I agree completely, and I, I put Ryu in the number three spot and Strasburg in the number four spot. Yeah, um, because like I said, I justified Ryu last time, and Ryu still has, even after multiple poor games, a two point three five ERA, the best ERA by far in the NL. So it's just that like his overall season was so solid, I had to give him number three, but Steven Strasburg almost took it from him. I think that's fair because his he was just straight up dominating the, the race for a lot of the year and had just tailed mm-hmm. off. And you think if he had gotten injured instead of having those bad starts, would he still be leading? You know, with Scherzer, and that's something an interesting thought experiment. But the fact is, he did pitch those starts and he sucked pretty badly. So yeah, so I dropped now to number three from number one, yeah. but I still had to put him above Strasburg. Strasburg still is giving up a, on average one point two more runs per nine than Ryu is, like. When all is said and done, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a big difference. But it's Dodgers, a, a Dodgers shifting and and defense is also another consideration. I en- I ended up dropping Ryu down from I think three to five. Yeah, you were the reason he didn't win because he put him at three. Last yeah, time. part yeah, of that part of that is his, <laughs> part of that is his FIP is almost a full point higher than his ERA, which I wasn't a big fan of. Mm-hmm. And if you're going by WAR, he's number six at least in B WAR. 
but you which have is to probably why Fib... he didn't make Ravel's list. <laughs> the reason why I don't give as much Fip, Fip, Fip as much credit to Ryu as I do to other players is because that's almost exclusively in his strikeout rate. His yeah. walk rate is one of the best yeah. in the majors, and his he home run per nine. Rate. Yeah, his home runs allowed and his walks allowed are one of the best in the majors. Mm-hmm. It's all in the strikeouts, and I feel that yeah. I feel that players that that can limit strikeout uh, that can um, limit runs scored and limit base runners without strikeouts are effective. They're they're effective. They're 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 underrated. That's true, and but he also had the lowest batted ball in play next uh, tied with Strasburg actually. Uh, so perhaps a little bit of luck that he's been getting as well, which is why I bumped, another reason I bumped him down. I just think the other guys were better. He's he's good. I just think Scherzer, DeGrom, Strasburg, and Bueller are a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just listing off the other guys on the lists, uh, Walker Bueller, Patrick Corbin, Mike Soroka, and I think I might next time could see a jump from Jack Flaherty, who's been pitching really well in the second half, if he finished off, finishes off the season strong. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that being said, well, Jack Flaherty, I didn't put him on the list, but man, he's been. I considered. Yeah, I considered. Half. Yeah. So AL Cy Young. Yep. Moving on. I it, think that's an interesting one because there's a lot of tough battles. I think. Yeah. I thought it was clear cut, but uh, people disagree. It's, it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Mine changed so much. I mean, the same five players are on there. Yeah. Same for I all rearranged of us, I everybody. Think. <laughs> I the same. It's the same five players on all of our ballots as last time, and I think. Yeah, I kept the same order except I dropped more. I switched Morton and Bieber, but Verlander number oh, one. The FIP, I mean the whip is just incredible, and whenever he gives <laughs> all about up, that whip. whenever he gives up hits, it's home <laughs> runs. That's he's li- limiting home runs to solo shots, knowing that the Astros' offense will be able to cover him. So he limits it to two or three solo shots a game, wins games, goes home happy. Whip is amazing. He's a Cy Young. Yeah, and I also have to mention. I know this is like. The most petty reason, but he did get a no hitter. I mean, that's <laughs> it's it's just as much about the uh, overall stats as it is about the individual accomplishments. And to become the what like only the third or fourth player to ever Throw have three no hitters. Yeah, I mean, or maybe it was fifth, but still, like it's it's incredible what he's done. And even though I don't really care for him, uh, his personality, uh, just as far as overall gameplay and accomplishments, I. I think he's just above Garrett Cole. Well, I can't speak for Rahul, but I had Garrett Cole number one. He had mm-hmm. them, Garrett Cole number one as well. Um, he perhaps went based off of war. He's number one in war. I think that's what he likes to do. <laughs> so I like Garrett Cole. He, he's got a better strikeout rate. Verlander had a ridiculous batter ball in play of 208, which just doesn't seem real. Well, if you make contact really a... on Verlander's stuff, you're not going to do much with it. I think. Yeah, the thing. Uh, yeah. Other than hit it out. You can make that. You can because make that the fact argument. that the fact that when he, the... you have to also remember that a lot of those, a lot of the contact he allowed was just home runs. Yeah, so that, he allowed yeah. more home runs than other hits. Yeah. So that's why it's so low because it doesn't factor in. So it, exactly. it's pretty average in terms of if you factor everything in. Right. So, yeah, I went, I think they're both really close. I went by, I basically went by FIP, WAR, strikeouts, bat of ball in play, uh, just some other peripheral statistics, which is why I put Cole first. Basically, uh, it's a, yeah. It's a tough one. Verlander has a barely 17 fewer strikeouts. He has 14 more innings, a lower ERA, uh, fewer hits allowed, 
11 points lower in whip. I think it's just the home runs, and if you, it's fair if you don't, if you discount home runs, but I think just the overall body of work is better for Verlander, and that's why I have him there. Okay. The three spot, well, Rahul had Lance Lynn, who's a strikeout king, at second. (laughs) And number two in war. (laughs) Yeah, F4. Uh, I had Shane Bieber third. I know you guys disagreed. I think Bieber has more innings. Uh, and he's just been I, effective overall for the Indians team. Uh, it's really close. I don't know what will happen in the end, but he has 20 more innings and a lower whip hmm. and about the same ERA. So that's yeah, what I was, for me. I was close between Bieber and Morton. I had Bieber just I below Morton. Too. But I, I did have Morton number one last time, mm-hmm. and I felt like for me to drop him from number one to number four might have been a little... Excessive. I mean, the Angels scored three runs off him, so is he really the Cy Young? I don't think so. <laughs> well, they scored more off of Verlander, so there you go. That's true, that's true. <laughs> I stand correct. That, that was when we were good, though. Yeah. Now now we're really bad, and we still scored we three runs good. off him. All right. And Lance Lynn rounds out the fifth, and yep. that's it for AL Cy Young. All right, let's cover the MVP awards before we wrap up. We've got NL MVP coming up first. A little bit of a mixed bag there with Bellinger and Yelich taking the top spot. Yeah, I was really surprised what Rick did there. Yelich is not in his top two, but whoa! I yeah, swapped I Bellinger and Yelich from last time because who knows what will happen with the injury affecting the last two weeks of the season. But Yelich's OPS and his hitting and Bellinger's quote-unquote slump, he has like an 850 OPS over his last 100 at-bats or something. Doesn't the defense for Bellinger doesn't do it for me and Yelich takes the cake? I think right now. Yeah, I had to drop Yelich. I had him number two last time. I moved him to number three and moved Marte above him. And the reason for that, number one, I didn't, I didn't put, I, I did not drop Bellinger because I think that his defense is too solid to um, warrant that. And I also think that he is underrated and Yelich is overrated by their ballparks. I know the WRC Plus is supposed to take that into account, but I don't think it does enough, especially with the uh, the state of the game, with the current um, state of the balls. I don't think they adjust for it enough. Um, huh, interesting. Ketel Marte is also slightly overrated by his ballpark as well, in my opinion. However, I've liked what I've seen from him more than what I've seen from Yelich, and Yelich's defense is it's not good. It's, it's just not good, and I, I have not been a fan of it. Factor in the injury and the fact that Marte... It's just I, I had to drop number three, number three, but it wasn't it wasn't that much of a difference in my opinion. I have I don't I almost had yeah, it was it was difficult for me, but I did that. I don't think Marte is going to be able to crack the top two for me if anyone displaces Yelich. In the end, it will be Rendon, who I had at number three, and he's putting up a solid second half, even though JDL had Acuna over him. You but, know why I had him there? Why? The dude's about to have a 40-40 season, okay. most right. likely. So if, if um, Triple Crown also wins, too, all that good yes. stuff? Yeah, uh-huh. okay. All right, cool. <laughs> so okay, Go, Good really to hear. Fast. Good to hear. <laughs> really fast, I do want to say that Marte, the reason I had him above both Yelich and Rendon, and also had him against, above Acuna as well, but that's irrelevant. Um, <laughs> uh, I had Marte above them because when I looked at their numbers and everything, Marte's numbers are extremely similar to Rendon's. Mm-hmm. Extremely similar. And so that was kind of a, a wash at first. When I took a look at it, I kind of just... 
agree that Marte's defense and base running has been superior to Rendon's. And he plays two positions and, well. He plays second base and center field correct. really well. Yeah. I had to put Yelich lower just because I think he's overrated. But I think that Marte and Rendon both deserve to be higher than they were. And I also had Rendon initially, before I dropped him below Acuna Jr., which I think might have been a mistake maybe, but I'll have to remember what my uh, <laughs> what my reasoning was for that. But um, <laughs> but uh, I think I, I had both of them in, above Yelich at one point, and I dropped Rendon below Yelich. I notice real quick that uh, Acuna is not on Rahul's ballot, which must mean he didn't have a good war. Uh, <laughs> he didn't. That, that's probably he... why he, he, he was eighth. drops a little. He was eighth? Oh, yeah. but pitchers factor in. Because he has a lot of pitchers there. There was a reason why I had Acuna on there, and I think maybe it has to do with the... Uh... No, I, I I can't remember why I had him on there. Well, I mean, he's I... he's one of several great players. I... <clears throat> oh, you know what it is? It's the number of plate appearances he had. He played more than anybody. Okay, that's fair. Uh, he was like, he, he played all mm-hmm. season long. And yeah. so I just think that the ability to, to sustain his success across the entirety of the season yeah. without backing down once, especially as like a 21-year-old, it yeah. was super impressive. I don't think he's had a day off. 149 games? Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe gamer. I think I think you deserve credit for that. I, I, I know it's kind of a, a weird thing to do. I don't think I should have put him above Rendon in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have. Uh, but some, I... Yeah. I do think right. that Acuna deserves to be higher. Some mm-hmm. of the down ballot guys. I don't like putting pitchers when the Cy Young race is not clear cut, in my opinion. I'd rather leave the pitchers off. The last time I put both Scherzer and Ryu because it was like those two guys, but now that it's a little bit of a wash. Well, to be fair, the wash is the reason why I put them side by side. No, yeah, that's fair. I just feel like it's just taking up a lot of slots. It might be irrational, but it's just taking up multiple slots on the MVP ballot, and uh, in the I AL, think there's a big, in, I think there's a big drop off from Ren, from Rendon, Yelich, Marte, Bellinger. I think there's a big drop off from them to like the second tier of players. I think it's a reasonable place to put a pitcher. Yeah, I just rather like honor the position player if if they haven't even don't even have the Cy Young wrapped up, and I was comfortable putting Verlander in the AL ballot pretty high. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. I just realized Jessica had Acuna Jr. higher than I did, and she didn't have to just defend just herself. Bar- just barely. <laughs> no one was questioning. You just defended yourself all about, on your own. She, all on your own. She dropped true. Marte. She dropped Marte to number five. Yeah, I don't yep, like to that. put Acuna. Up I don't there. really like mm-hmm. that much. I like I like Marte a lot. You don't have to like it, but. <laughs> I, just... I just realized. I was like, wait a second. Why am I defending myself? <laughs> I noticed Miss, that Miss, Pete Alonso is number six on Jessica's ballot, higher than you know anyone else. So you know what's interesting, and I'm going to talk about And you know, that. Tatis isn't on there. That's yeah, what I'm interesting. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Correct, because here's why. There is a clear difference between MVP and Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year, oh, okay. Okay. Here we rookie go. Of the year to oh. me is who is the best player. MVP is who helped out their team the most. Oh, and boy. Pete Alonso was a huge benefit to the Mets this year. Lordy, lordy. Are you guys going to disagree <laughs> that he was not, like, was he a huge benefit of the Mets or not? He definitely I was. strongly disagree with your interpretation I, of the award. I, I do, too. <laughs> I, I strongly disagree really? as well. Yes. Yeah, wow. I think All right. whoever's the most successful rookie in terms of production takes the cake. And, if, like, team I, values I, matters okay. even less. 
I do want to say that if I was saying contributions was most important to me, I would have put DeGrom higher than a lot of these players. Hmm. I think okay. DeGrom is the only reason they were even competitive. <laughs> yeah, DeGrom and Alonzo, actually. DeGrom and Alonzo. Yeah, then Bellinger okay. would slide down if you were actually looking at contribution. But we're not. Good thing we're not. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because no, that's no. crazy. Yelich would actually probably be number one. JT Real Muto. Yeah, I just want to touch on Real Muto real quick before we move on. Has a crazy caught ceiling percentage. And he's probably the best player in the Phillies right now. So we all, all four of us had him. Glad to see that. I didn't have him last time, though. Yeah. He came back in a big way. He's been solid. Yeah, very, especially since the rest of the dudes have been on the Phillies have been tailing. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to make the playoffs, but. I remember he was getting a lot of flack um, about mid-season or so that they were like, like, oh, the Phillies traded for JT Real Muto and he hasn't even been that great. And then the second half, he's been incredible. Does, he doesn't even have to be good. He just has to be better than the other catchers, which he clearly is. He's clearly the best catcher in the game. So I don't know why they're complaining. Well, there's a there's a case for Grundahl, but. Mm. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I disagree. AL MVP, pretty all... easy at the top. I think so. Uh, I think there's For some right concern now, yeah. that that Trout could fall off because of not playing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I think there's but, definitely some concern that Mike Trout might still win over DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> <That's good stuff. laughs> DJ DJ LeMahieu will be third, and Mike Trout will be second, and we'll all Ra- be happy. Rahul didn't even have DJ LeMahieu on his ballot. Uh, we all had him number eight except for him. What a guy, yep. Rahul. Yeah. Uh, Trout, right. Bregman, unanimous one two. Uh, yeah. We'll see what Bregman does the last few weeks. Bogarts right now, it's had three or three of the top yeah. number three spot. And then Garrett Cole apparently has a really good, good F war. He, he, must, he has a good war. So yeah, number three you. strikes out a lot of guys. <laughs> so, so he made it in for Rowell. <laughs> to be fair, I did put Verlander at number four because I had him on my Cy Young list. I put him and... at five. I think Verlander's, as I explained already, the, pretty clear the Cy Young. So I, ha- I was comfortable. What's interesting to me is I had I did not have Verlander on my MVP list last time, mm-hmm. and I had Charlie Morton. This time I I don't have Charlie Morton on there, and I have Verlander. So I did the backwards thing too. I think. I'm yeah, you have sure you have Morton, Morton on there. there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was doing there. Well, actually. you can you can justify that kind of in the fact that Morton is a big reason for the race success, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that that Rick in particular had Chapman over Simeon because Simeon has the better offensive numbers. He has the better war. He has all sorts of... I don't like Simeon. Um, Hang on. Let me go back to the numbers for it. Maybe I just didn't take enough of a look at him because I just don't like Simeon. (laughs) No, I mean, I think he's been playing well and he gets to play the Angels more, so he will his numbers. Simeon. Eh, they're, they're pretty similar. Here's here's the thing about Semyon. I don't like him. Okay. <laughs> and we, we're we're gonna publish this, right, Jeffrey? These results. Yes. So we can see where Perfect. that Rick did not rank Semyon at in, all, and okay. rank DJ Lemayhew over Semyon. In Simeon. all in all fairness, Semyon was superior to Chapman by numbers. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, I I do not like Semyon, and I have the right to not vote for him. You do by the fact that I don't like you him. You honestly do. And you want to know why I don't like him? Because he kills the angels. Exactly, because that loser right there, he used to suck, 
and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he became one of the best players in the game. And it takes me off. too, because he, he I, was... I know. I used to rely on his bad defense to carry us to wins. And now he <laughs> scoops up everything. I hate him. <laughs> okay. I hate that's Marcus fine. Simeon, the podcast title. That's, that's going to be it. Exactly. Okay. Um, All right. I think, I think we're good on the voting. Yeah, I, I wanted to give J.D. Martinez a shout-out. I know he's not one of the 10 most valuable players in the AL, but I think his hitting has been superb, so that's why I threw him in there at 10th. You were the and, only one that had him on, a, on your ballot. No, I understand. Yeah, and I wanted to, I wanted to give a shout-out to Carlos Santana, too, because <laughs> I have him at number 10, even though last time I didn't have him on the list, just because I feel that he is the biggest reason that the Indians are competitive. Um, he carried them through the first half of the season, and if it wasn't for him... They wouldn't even be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we're running a little long, but let's do a quick Summer. preview of next week. And I think I can summarize it up with the fact that the Angels play the Yankees. Fun. And the Astros. And Fun. we face Verlander and Severino. Okay, so Verlander will get the opportunity to add to his Cy Young campaign. And no Cole, so Cole won't. <laughs> Verlander will get the opportunity sure. to lose his Cy Young campaign by giving up another four runs to us. <laughs> another four home runs like he has. Exactly, because Jared Walsh is going to hit one. Who's going to hit home runs off Verlander with Trout Otani and Upton? I think Simmons will get one. Simmons will. Simmons crushes the Astros. Always has. And the crawfish boxes. I don't know. I don't think Calhoun, Calhoun will probably strike out three times. <laughs> he will strike out yeah. three times. Uh, that's just Calhoun's. Oh, I forgot that Fletcher homered off Verlander. That was fun. It's it's not going to be a pretty. Week. That was that was in the Kitty Park. Yeah, that's true. So six games. I'm going to predict one and five. No, I think we're zero and six. <laughs> wow. I think I'm saying we were zero and I'm six saying... this year. This I mean almost zero and six this week against inferior competition compared to the Yankees and the Astros. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say one and five as well, um, just in the fact that. I think we're going to pull out one game and everyone, and because we're trying to lose now. I think we're going to pull out one game and be like, why do we have to win that? So, I think so. Like, like today, for example. Today was one of those games. It was, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you disagree, agree, comment below, let us know. Bye.